yeah. And we are live. <laughs> Yeah, we are. Welcome back to Genesis chapter 40. We are going to jump straight into this chapter. So let's get into chapter 40. Justin, do you want to start us off with reading some text? Yes, I do. Verse 1. Then it came about after these things that the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was furious with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. So he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard in the prison, the same place where Joseph was imprisoned. And the captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them, and he took care of them, and they were in confinement for the same time. Then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, both had a dream the same night, each man with his own dream and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning and saw them, behold, they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in confinement in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? And they said to him, we have had a dream and there is no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, do interpretations not belong to God? Tell it to me, please. Whoa. Okay, a lot going on here. Um, obviously we have two people that are ultimately introduced into the prison, the cup bearer and the baker. Justin, can you tell us what, the, what a cup bearer is? Yes. It's the person that, uh, is responsible for, uh, like tasting the King's drinks, uh, in order to make sure that he's not poisoned, but it's also, it's just a high ranking official. He may do other things for the King as well. Uh, and he does hold some level of authority because, as we see uh, later on in the Bible, Nehemiah was a cupbearer. So he does more than um, taste the king's drinks to make sure he's not not poisoned in the king's food and things like that. Um, he also would do different roles. He would be someone with pr pretty good discernment, uh, you know, some amount of wisdom. So the cupbearer and the baker both worked for Pharaoh. And the cupbearer obviously was a highly trusted individual. Got to be one of the most highly trusted individuals, right? Because he's making sure that, you know, back in the day, people would get poisoned. And that's how people would lose their kingship. And they would be overthrown, essentially. That, that's one way, obviously. And so uh, both of these individuals, it is interesting that... They were thrown into jail, and it doesn't say exactly why they were thrown into jail. What we do see, in verse 1, we see that these two individuals offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was furious with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. So he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard. So he's very angry. We don't know exactly why he's angry. It is interesting that both these individuals relate to the king's or the pharaoh's food. So the question is, was this was this a potentially an assassination attempt that went that went wrong? Uh, 
that ultimately the Pharaoh didn't ultimately die or, or who knows what happened, but clearly something went amiss here. And uh, he threw both of these individuals into prison. This Pharaoh, as we kind of learned throughout the chapter, he seems like a pretty reasonable, smart individual. <laughs> and so I guess I could be, I guess, I don't know. That That's not the that's not the implication that, that I ultimately get is this guy's super unreasonable. It's possible, but maybe he is. Because of some, some of the smart moves he makes later on, <laughs> I guess is why I'm saying this. Yeah, those are some good thoughts. Um, so the Pharaoh that's referenced here in, in verse 1, I believe is... Um, Sesostris the second um, and I believe this chapter took place around 1888 BC uh, possibly and so moving on to verses three and four the the captain of the guard here uh, was mentioned this the the same title was given to Potiphar it's possible this is Potiphar um, but the text doesn't clarify so it's also possible that it, it isn't it's possible that it's someone else so when Joseph was engaging with the cupbearer and the baker, he was sure to say that, hey, God, he recognized that God was the source of the dreams because of their prophetic aspect. Um, and in ancient Egypt, dreams were very powerful and, and they meant something. And there actually was, um, it's actually called Oniromancy. Only romancy is the science or practice of interpreting dreams, which was popular back in those times. We see that this was a big deal uh, in the Babylonian times as well when we, when, when we learn about Daniel and what all went on there with the, with the Chaldeans. And there were people in those days who actually had the profession of interpreting dreams um, because they were believed to point to future events. And there was actually people who focused on being uh, what, what they called magicians, they would practice or they would try to learn how to do spells. They would learn uh, how to interpret dreams. Um, they would also learn how to try maybe do some form of medicinal uh, type work within the, you know, intertwined with the supernatural. Um, and they sometimes they're referred to magicians, sorcerers, wise men, different things. But it was a profession that existed back in those days uh, that would have a royal place. Or would have uh, that the king obviously would have had a relationship or access to these people. Does this does this type of thing do you think exist today? And what are your thoughts on? Yeah, it's it's oh, th th this type of thing definitely exists today, uh, not in the same way of like uh, you know where there's a, a a ruler that you know that that kind of gets advice from these kind of people. Um, but uh, this profession is uh, in opposition to, to the biblical instruction. You know, so Deuteronomy 13 verses one through five pretty much says just do not practice these things. Um, you know, trying to practice these things are, are in opposition to God. So it's not biblical to do these things. Um, and as we see though, that in the conversation with Joseph, when he interpreted the dreams, he gave the credits to God. So it wasn't he wasn't participating in this ancient practice or this practice of interpreting dreams through alternative supernatural means. He he received the interpretation from God and gave God the credit. Right. Which, probably, Minch, go ahead. 
I guess how do you how do you feel about people seeking interpretations from dreams from God today, or trying to get dreams interpreted through God? I mean, do you have a feeling on that? Because I know that I suspect there's Christians today that are still trying to interpret dreams, and I'm just not sure if you had a thought on that type of practice. Should we be concerned? Yeah. So me personally. I never try to seek any kind of interpretations for dreams. Um, uh, I, I, I've noticed the Lord communicate with me in my life primarily through Bible study, uh, primarily through, uh, you know, church leaders, maybe, you know, hearing, hearing a, a sermon from my pastor or um, just my daily quiet time. The, those are the main sources um, that God communicates to me. And so, I mean, dreams are just not, dreams are, are just natural occurrences. Uh, and so sometimes, you know, I mean, our minds are still active when we, when we sleep on some level. And so I, I have lots of dreams that, you know, when I remember my dreams, um, I have no reason when I reflect on them to think that they were anything other than a, a series of random thoughts that were inspired by events in my life. I, there's no reason that I see to believe that God's trying to communicate to me through this dream. And if I would just learn how to interpret it, some amazing information would be unlocked. I have no reason to believe that that's the case at all. Uh, like I said, God communicates to me through his word and through spiritual leaders and things like that. And so, um, you know, God is, is, a, a, a spiritual supernatural god um but because he is such he's able to communicate in natural clear means to us um he's able to communicate naturally and supernaturally but i i think that well and there's a historical basis for god to communicate with people via dreams as well right Right, so and, and there it, it, are occurrences in the Bible. The, the Bible uses dreams, visions, all those kinds of things. God used that, yeah. It, this is a tough thing, right? Just, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. And I wanted to say that I'm not making the claim that no Christian, no Christians today receive communication from God through a dream. I'm not making that claim. I'm just making, I'm just saying for myself personally, I don't think it's wise if I have some crazy dream to all of a sudden start seeking an interpretation and assume that it was God trying to communicate with me when I had no reason to think that. I agree with you. I think it's can be a little bit dangerous to start interpreting every single dream that you have. I just think this is very, this is particularly interesting. Um, that being said though, I can't rule out, God's ability to interpret, to send some type of information to an individual via a dream, just because there's a historical basis for it happening. So, yeah, that's a that's a good point. I think uh, I've I I know missionaries who have who are doing missions in the um, Middle East, and and they know um, people who have come to Christ when, when they were Muslims. And Jesus visited them in a dream, and they ended up putting their faith in him and, and finding a church. And so 
that that once again goes back to when I clarified, like, look, if 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 God, if Jesus clearly comes to you in a dream, identifies himself and then tells you to get into a Bible believing church and says all this stuff that totally coincides with scripture. Yeah, I'm not saying that's not God communicating to you in, in a dream, but those dreams that I've heard, those are very clear, right? Jesus identifies himself as the son of God, the savior, uh, and tells them to read the Bible and tells them to go to church. So like, that's not um, anything like super mysterious where they're looking for alternative means to interpret what happened. That is completely consistent with what he said in his word. But we see here, though, that Joseph knew when he interpreted the cupbearer's dream that the cupbearer was going to be restored, and he knew that he would have influence uh, from the king. And so Joseph tells him, hey, man, uh, you know, see if you can get me re released from prison. And these dreams were supernatural, mind you, okay? So supernatural dreams do exist, okay? You believe it, Justin. This is a supernatural dream. Now, oh, yeah. I, will, I will say this. This is very, they both, in verse 5, it says, Then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, who were confined in prison, both had a dream the same night, each man with his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation interpretation okay so these are some these are some this is there's there's kind of a little some coincidences that start to pop up in, in here a little bit okay verse 9 i'm gonna read it so the chief cupbearer told his dream to joseph saying to him in my dream behold there is a vine in front of me and on the vine were three branches and as it was budding, its blossoms came out, and its clusters produced ripe grapes. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so I took the grapes and squeezed them into the Pharaoh's cup, and I put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. And you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand as in your former practice when you were his cupbearer. Only keep me in mind when it goes well for you. And please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. For I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing that they should have put me into the dungeon. Yes, yeah, so um, I find it interesting here that Joseph said kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews. This reveals how Joseph had faith in God's promises uh, that, that he made to Abraham in the sense that eventually this would become the land of the Hebrews, uh, even though it was not yet. So like we've already talked about, Egyptians of the time took dreams very seriously. They were seen as predictive. Obviously, these were. And so Joseph interpreted both dreams. Uh, so the cupbearer's dream had a favorable meaning, and it was connected to his profession. And so because Joseph had interpreted it, he knew it was going to happen. And so he said to the cupbearer, uh, he asked the cupbearer to remember him 
when he would be restored to his position because he knew the cupbearer would have influence and he would have the, the king's ear and the king's attention when he was restored to his high position. Absolutely. And this is a pretty epic dream, I think, and epic interpretation from Joseph for the cupbearer, right? I would be pretty stoked to hear about this. Um, what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of here and then three, only three more days? That's awesome. You know, and I'm going to do get to do my old job. Man, that's epic. Joseph, thank you. <laughs> thank you for interpreting my dream. Okay. That's awesome. You want to go, you want to move on to verse 16? Do it. Verse 16. When the chief baker saw that he had interpreted favor, favorably, he said to Joseph, I also saw in my dream and behold, there were three baskets of white bread on my head. And in the top basket, there were some of all kinds of baked food for Pharaoh, and the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Then Joseph answered and said, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and will hang you on a wooden post, and the birds will eat your flesh off you. So. This is so. This is a classic example of one dude being stoked about an interpretation, and then another dude not. Right? This happens all the time. I'm just kidding. This is classic I mean, example. <laughs> classic, classic. No. Um, so <laughs> I do definitely uh, think the the chief baker didn't really know. Um, what he's getting himself into, obviously in verse 16, when the chief baker saw that he had interpreted favorably, he said to Joseph, I also saw my dream. And then he tells basically ultimately the dream. And this dream has a quite a different meaning. Okay. Instead of being restored to his former position within three days, he's going to get killed. He's going to get beheaded and his body's going to be hung on a, on a post. And so, um, man, that's a tough, that is a tough call. You know, one of the things that I think about if I, I guess, I guess if I only had three more days to live, I'd probably want to know that. You know what I mean? So that I could, you know, get my life right. I wonder if in this situation, Joseph was, trying to tell, you know, the cup bear, the, the baker about God and, you know, these, the baker, I'm sorry, not the cup bear, but the baker specifically about God and things like that. Like, I wonder how Joseph ultimately, um, responded in more dialogue after this. Cause I suspect this wasn't the last thing, right? I mean, from the baker, I probably have a few more questions after, <laughs> after this one, you know what I mean? Especially when, when Joseph, references God as the interpreter, you know? So clearly Joseph is giving credit to God. And if I'm the baker, I probably want to learn more about this God that Joseph is um, ultimately able to do interpretations through, right? Joseph is just the medium in which God is doing these interpretations. So uh, I do kind of wonder about that. Justin. Yeah, so this was a uh, the meaning of the baker's dream obviously had a, dr a grim outcome. 
Um, and his dream also reflected his profession. So both the cupbearer and baker had dreams that reflected their uh, profession uh, in serving Pharaoh, but uh, his dream didn't end well. So that's tough. It is tough. Now these dreams, they're very, they're, there's a lot of similarities kind of between them as well. I imagine whenever the cupbearer and the baker got together and they started to share the dreams that they had, they were like, this is unusual, right? What's the chances the same night we both have a dream in which there are, you know, threes involved, for example, and also involving our professions. And so definitely a, very um, interesting. Okay, verse 20. So it came about on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he held a feast for all his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his office. And he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So both of, both of Joseph's interpretations turned out to be true concerning what happened to the chief cupbearer and chief baker. Uh, unfortunately, as we see here, the chief cupbearer forgot about Joseph after he was released from prison. And it appears that Joseph was actually in prison two more years after the chief, chief cupbearer forgot him. So that's hard. That's tough. Absolutely. This was Pharaoh's birthday. All right. Is it too late to say happy birthday? Never. Okay. <laughs> happy birthday, Pharaoh. Um, I'm not trying to talk to Pharaoh. Okay, I'm just I'm you. I'm telling you, <laughs> this is not me trying to communicate with Pharaoh right now. Okay, just to be clear. All right, there's no. I'm not trying to you know consult any mediums or anything like that. But uh, it's Pharaoh's birthday, and guess what? On Pharaoh's birthday, he gets what he wants. You know what I mean? <laughs> and one of those thing was lifting up some heads. Okay, one version of lifting up that head is lifting up them into their old positions, right? Putting them into the front of the entire group of servants, whereas the other one is l actually lifting up the head from from the body, from the from the from from here up. Okay. This part, <laughs> this part was gone. Okay. No more of this. Which is pretty, um, you know, it's a, it's a it's a tough way to go, um, and especially when you know that the birds are going to be eating your flesh. I guess that just goes full cycle, right? Um, someone someone got something good out of that, you know. It sounds like the birds did, and then Joseph gets forgotten. Boy, where do I start with that one? Anyone ever feel like they're they get forgotten around here? Yeah, getting forgotten that's that's tough, you know. <laughs> getting forgotten that's tough. Like you said, we learn in the next chapter he actually gets forgotten for two years. Man, Joseph, 
he's been in prison for a little while. I'm feeling for Joseph, but God's ultimately using him in this prison. And Joseph's having to learn a lot of patience right now, right? There's a lot of patience involved in everything that he's doing. And being, you know, stuck in prison is not exactly where I want to learn my patience. You know, I'd prefer to learn my patience elsewhere, you know, not in a dungy, dark, who knows what the conditions of this prison were, right? This isn't the same prison that, you know, celebrities go to whenever they do something bad, right? This is like rats and zombies and mummies and who knows what's <laughs> I'm just messing around. Okay. Um, yeah, tough, tough. Justin, how, what do you, how do you feel about um, Joseph getting forgotten? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, that's hard. Um, sometimes in our lives, we may not understand what God is doing or allowing to happen to us. Um, but God still communicates with us uh, if we if we seek guidance from him. And he can show us that his hand is on the situation um, because it is. Uh, you know, during those times, God builds our, our character uh, in those difficult circumstances, which he can use to prepare us for another stage in our lives. And one of the things we see is that Joseph has a great work ethic, even during the really discouraging times. He's trusted uh, to be uh, just in charge of things in the prison that he's in. And so Joseph is definitely someone to look to um, who handled discouragement in a, an awesome way. And uh, handling discouragement in an awesome way is something that's really hard to do. Right. So uh, I would yeah, agree. Joseph did it well. You know, I think that um, I think a lot of times I and I can feel like this myself as well. You can you, you want to serve God. Right. Maybe you have, a, you have the noblest of inten intentions, right? You want to serve God. You want to do all these things. And um, you, but you have your way of wanting to serve God. Right. And um, I think there's times in which maybe that time hasn't maybe come yet. Maybe that time is, is coming, but, you know, I think it's really important if to have that to have that heart. I don't think Joseph thought, "Hey, the best way I can serve God right now is to be in prison." Okay, I mean, do you think that's where he's like, you know, this is where I can have the biggest impact on God's kingdom? My guess is that was that wasn't his thought, you know. But as Justin mentioned, jo Joseph ideally was still learning, such that whenever God had him in the in a position that would ultimately come later that he was able to use the things that he learned in the prison and under Potiphar to ultimately undertake the mission that God had for him next. Um, of course, we know in scripture, Luke 16, 10, we need to enjoy the journey, right? Whatever, whatever you've been entrusted with right now, totally take that very seriously. Okay. Don't just wait for the big, the big moments. You have to take the small moments just as seriously, just with a, a servant, with a, a heart to serve God, such that whenever you have those moments in the future that maybe are a little bit bigger, you've already built the habit of being a servant of God, right? You've already, you've already built the skills, right? To be able to serve God in those moments. 
So, guys, we are really excited. Chapter 40. We're going to be digging into Chapter 41 very soon. Get excited, guys. We are getting towards the end of Genesis. Whoa. This has been a fast we're, journey. Then we're going to blow Exodus wide open. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Everybody, I hope you all have a fantastic bro day. Bro, you later. Show.